Hello and welcome to Generation Mix. This is the podcast where a father and a son review the mixed CDs that the father's been making for the son for the last four years or so. I'm the dad, I'm Neil. I'm the son, I'm Joel. And on episode 14, this time we are listening to the music of Squeeze. You know how to squeeze me. No, no, that that's Slade. Okay. Squeeze are a band that came out of the new wave and punk explosion of the late 70s. They came from Deptford in London and they were centred around the songwriting of Chris Difford and Glenn Tilbrook. I first got into Squeeze through a compilation called Singles, 45s and Unders back in the late 80s. So let's dive straight in with our first choice, which is from the album Babylon and On from 1987. It's Hourglass. about that one what do you mean i don't know if i like it or not what do you dislike about it i don't like the style okay so that's very high polished gloss production 1980s yeah i don't particularly like that style okay well you i think you've mentioned that before on previous podcasts yeah i can kind of understand that that was a top 20 hit for them it's got a great video by the way but let's move into our second track. So we're going to jump to what I think is their best album, which is East Side Story. And this... It's the opposite of the West Side Story. West well, that's the West. joke. Yeah. You'll, you'll find that there are occasional puns in Squeeze album titles, which has something to do, I think, with Chris Difford in particular. He liked a good, um, clever or amusing lyrical title. Like you. Yeah, like me. So, yeah, we're going to go to East Side Story album... This CD has got a few singles in, but it's got a lot more deep cuts than perhaps some of the other ones we've listened to over the years. That's because I know you could easily get a best of squeeze. So this is a deep cut and it's one of their very best ones. I think this is in my top 100 of all time and it's Piccadilly. That was Piccadilly from East Side Story. I'm not really feeling that one. Why? I just didn't enjoy it very much. What do you think of the piano part, at least? At the very beginning? It's okay. Good. I'm glad you like at least something on that. That was the first album that didn't feature Jules Holland. He'd left at this point. And so they actually recruited someone called Paul Carrick to replace him, who we will hear from Paul Carrick again as we trawled through this CD. Okay. 
So let's go to our next track, which comes from the 2010s. Now, Squeeze originally broke up in 1982. They reformed in 86. They broke up again in 1998. And then they didn't really get together again until the 2010s. I mean, they played the occasional show, but they weren't recording new stuff. And then they were approached by a broadcaster and writer called Danny Baker, who had written a sitcom about his life growing up called Cradle to the Grave. And they were approached to do the music for that. And they ended up with an album called Cradle to the Grave. And this is the title track from that. I don't think I like that one either. Oh. I don't like all these jolly upbeat. <laughs> What's wrong with that kind of music? I don't know. I just don't like it. It's Is it you don't like it generally, or you just don't like it today because you're in a miserable mood? I'm not in a miserable mood. <laughs> Maybe you are. Well, should I'm we not. go? Well, you need a miserable song. So this is a song called Wicked and Cruel from the album Play. When I die, I return as a housewife So I can see who's you end up with If that's anyone at all Did I say that? How could anyone be so wicked and cruel? Um, I prefer that one, but... So I was right, you do prefer the miserable songs? You don't have to be miserable, it's just I don't like this original, the style of the original three songs, like the... Okay, what, the, the happy melodies? No, happy upbeat melodies? I thought you'd like happy upbeat melodies. I, I do, it's just not that style of them. Well, Wicked and Cruel is very appropriately named, because some of the lyrics in there are very barbed. I think they're some of Chris Difford's best lyrics. I think it's predominantly about the breakup of a marriage or a relationship. So you've got that thing saying, when I die, I'll come back as a spider because she hates them so much. <laughs> it's wicked and cruel, but it's quite funny. In 1980, Squeeze released their third album called Argy Bargy. It was their third album in three years. And it was the last with Jules Holland before he left to pursue a TV career and indeed came back to Squeeze a bit later. And I picked a track off that called Misadventure. Oh, it's okay. Okay. It's okay. It's better than the first three, not so, as good as the fourth one. When we were listening to one of the songs, you said that you didn't think they sounded particularly punk. Did you think that was more so? Yeah, definitely. It, it's closer to their early days when they were a bit of a, a, a new wave punk band. So it's so, so far, it's the earliest track we've heard. So I've already mentioned that Jules Holland returned to the band at some point during the 80s, in about 1986. And they recorded a further three albums with Jules. 
This was the last one that they recorded, it was called Frank. And I've picked Slaughtered, Gutted and Heartbroken from Frank, which also features the vocal talents of Chris Difford rather than Glenn Tilbrook, whose voice we've so far been hearing. So let's get Slaughtered, Gutted and Heartbroken. To me she was an angel And I went and let her down The reaction was so fatal That she kicked me from her clown But things could be worse Things could be very bad for me Oh my dear, I find myself Short of a tapestry That one was okay Again, so, not as good as the, Not as good as uh, Wicked and Cool, but better than the first four Not, not as good as a Misadventure either, because I think you quite like Yeah, not as good as Misadventure either the next track is a really deep cut because it's a B-side to the lead-off single from the album Play, which was Sunday Street, and it's Maidstone. Okay. So it's very different. It features a mandolin. Yeah. You don't hear that on it. I like the mandolin, actually. Mm. It sounds quite nice. It's a great B-side, and often amongst Squeeze fans, it's the one that they think, why wasn't this on an album? It was buried away somewhere. And the purpose, generally speaking, of B-sides was to pop tracks on there that you didn't think were good enough for albums. Maidstone was probably good enough to actually make it on the album. In 1979, Squeeze released their second album, which was titled Cool for Cats. And they had a huge number two hit single called Cool for Cats. That came from that. And then they had a second number two hit single, which I think is the better song, even if it's not quite as well known as Cool for Cats, and it's Up the Junction. Didn't take me on that one. Kind of found it a bit boring. I am really disappointed you didn't like Up the Junction. You know what Up the Junction lacks? What? A chorus. The song has no chorus. And the record company said, How can you put this out as a single when there's no chorus? But they put it out as a single and it got to number two. Okay. A huge success. And it's a great song, Up the Junction. The lyrics in it are fantastic. There's something that. Probably Chris Difford, I think, is is quite possibly the best lyricist that does this in that he takes words that don't quite rhyme and uses them as his rhyming scheme. And it 
pays off so often. So in that one there, you've got, um, I got a job with Stanley. He said I'd come in handy. Now, Stanley and handy don't rhyme, do they? No. But when they're sung, they sound like they rhyme. And it's just such clever writing. He does it on a song called Labelled With Love, which was their only other top ten hit. And I think there's possibly only one rhyming couplet in that entire song that is a genuine rhyming couplet. And we have to, I haven't put it on this CD labelled with love, so you'll have to check it out. Um, but the lyric, if you want to learn how to write lyrics, you can do worse than look at what Chris Difford does as a lyricist. But maybe not replicate his life. So the next track seems to be drawn from some of his own personal circumstances and pain involved in divorce and not seeing his children because it's called To Be A Dad from the album Domino. Kind of boring, but there were definitely more elements that I liked in that song. Such as? The chorus, I found You like the chorus? Decent, yeah. Yeah, but you actually laughed out loud at a lyric, Joel. Yeah. That's because it's just relevant. Why? To today. Well... Watching The Simpsons! It's a great line, isn't it? Of course, of course it's, that's relevant. But they went out on tour, and I went to go and see them at... Birmingham Symphony Hall, and they were fantastic. I, I One of the best concerts I've ever been to. And then I spotted that they were, about two or three weeks later, they were going to be at Wolverhampton, which is just down the road from Birmingham, as you know, Joel. Mm. And so I arranged to go and see them the second time on that tour with someone else. And that gig was one of the most disappointing gigs I've ever been to. And the reason is, I, one of the things I absolutely love about going and seeing a live band is not knowing what they're going to play next. They played the exact and same And they things. played the exact same set. Exactly. Now, I, I now know that that is by no means uncommon because bands, when they go out on tour, you think, oh, they could just pick up and play any song. Well, they don't. They rehearse a set. They must have known there would be people in the audience who'd been to the Birmingham gig two or three weeks beforehand and they didn't change anything, including the order and the, the, some of the they stage They didn't change patterns. the order? No. <laughs> and so I knew exactly what was coming at each point. And I remember someone in the crowd yelled out because they didn't play Labelled With Love in Birmingham. I remember someone in the crowd in Wolverhampton called out, Label we love, towards the end in the encore bits. And I kind of went, they're not going to play it because they didn't play it in Birmingham. And they didn't play it. Our next track, I am absolutely certain you, you know and will remember. We're going back to the Argy Bargy album from 1980 and it's another nail in my heart. Yeah, at last. A positive response. It's a great We have song. had positive responses before, but 
Never more than it's okay, I guess. Well, <laughs> another na- another nail in my heart is an amazingly good song. It is absolutely criminal that that only made me like number eighteen in the charts. That should have been a top ten hit. That should have been like number three. At, no, like you just pick a top random three. number. Yeah. Top three. It should have. It should have been a huge it, hit. I don't know what it was competi- competing with. I don't know what it was competing with. Well, not, actually, 1980 is one of my favourite years for number one singles, but that should have been a top tenner. That, it was such a good song. We'll go back to the previous album, to Argy Bargy, which was Cool for Cats, for an album cut called Review. So, Joel, the track's called Review. Would you like to review it? Fine. <laughs> Is that your review or you just don't like my pun? No, um, well, I've decided to go into why I think I don't like some of these songs. Okay. Like, I like this one. But, like, I'm going to think of it like a piano. Like, songs. Like, there are high songs... Mm. Yeah, there are high notes. Yes. And there are low notes. Yes. A song that's mainly centred with in the high notes with the right hand just doesn't feel right to me. I think that's like, Where are you going with this? Do you think the songs are all sung too high? No, the backing music high as well. Like the really high what the ones at the start of the album were like <laughs> Okay, thing. That, uh, it's quite I high. don't know what the listeners are going to think of that because that's the weirdest thing oh, I've no, heard I'm, about I'm, music. I've kind of gone confused. Uh, don't ever listen to The Dance of the Sugar Plum Fairy by Tchaikovsky because it's all up in the high notes. I have listened to it before. Mm. But, like, but a lot of upbeat songs that are in the middle, like that are played mostly in the middle of the piano, I really like. Like, that one I quite liked. Okay. Okay, well, let's move on to East Side Story again and what is probably their most celebrated song. It was sung by a man I mentioned earlier, Paul Carrick, who was playing the keyboards in the band for that album. And it's Tempted. Are you tempted to like this one? Stop it, please. <laughs> I have to make the puns. You're being so hard to please on this one. Well, yeah. It's okay. It's okay. It's definitely one of the best bo- voices we've heard so far. Paul Carrack, I do think, has one of the best voices in British music. Tempted is probably their best... It's their best-known song in America. It's been used in film soundtracks and, and stuff, but it's, it's a great lyric again. Another great Chris Difford lyric. 
Okay. But I'm glad you, you like it a bit more than perhaps some of the others. I wonder what you're going to make of the next track. So we're coming back again to Frank for the second time. And this is, I believe, the only song on here that we're going to listen to that is not written by Chris Difford and Glenn Tilbrook. It was written by Jules Holland during his second stint in the band. And it's called Dr. Jazz. It was okay. So, I'm, I'm quite pleased you said that. It is not really a jazz song. I mean, it's no. got a New Orleans feel to it, but it's, it's more of a boogie-woogie piano, which is what Jules Holland is pretty much famous for. And he's, um, he's got a big band style of music now that he plays and is all over the TV. But I, liked, I like Dr. Jazz. It's, it's, I'm glad it's there on a Squeeze album. It gives different texture to the album, to the kitchen sink dramas that Difford and Tilbrook were so well known for. I, I think Dr. Jazz is, is, a, is a really worthy inclusion. I'm glad I put it on here, actually. So you remember I said that they broke up in 1982 and reformed in 86? Yeah. The album that they produced in 86 isn't their best by any stretch. It's a bit of a flat pancake of an album. There's some really, really good songs on it. Maybe the production doesn't serve it very well, but it's called Cozy Fan Tutti Fruity. That doesn't sound very fun. Well, it's a pun on the Mozart opera Cozy Fan Tutti. And so you look at the cover, it's got a tea cozy, a fan, and a Tutti Fruity ice cream. It's a really strange album. But there was some, like I could say, great tracks on it. And one of them is this one, which is Last Time Forever. I used to be so shy and hypertemple. I've said goodnight tonight, last time forever. I said goodnight tonight, the last time forever. It's a slower track. We come now to probably my joint favourite squeeze song. We've already heard the first one, which is Another Nail in My Heart. But from the next album, East Side Story, I have picked what I think is probably their best lyric, and it's Woman's World. She likes recipe, a touch of steaming up the window, burning a Stand. 
I like that one. Yay! This one's in my top 100. I love the lyric on this. Again, Chris Difford got a lot of stick for some sexist lyrics in his early songwriting of the first two albums. And this one it was probably the first one there he kind of tried to write something that was deliberately opposite to the kind of criticisms he'd had. This is written from a woman's perspective who's been taken for granted. So it's Mother's Day coming up and this podcast will be released on Mother's Day. So maybe okay. you think about the lyrics of this song when you next take your mother for granted when she's doing something. I'm, I, I, this is actually the longest time I've ever spent making a card. And I actually think it looks good. It does look quite good. We return now to the album Play. And Play's a very intricate, involving album. And it contains one of my favourite deep cuts from an album, which is The Truth. The truth, it's the toughest thing to explain. It was okay, but it was a little bit boring. Oh, we really wanted you to like Squeeze, but you really don't. So, the next track I've picked is another B-side, one of those deep, deep cuts. Squeeze had some fantastic B-sides, and all too often they've not been put out on album or CD at some point. It would be great to get a collected B-sides of Squeeze, because then you get things like this which is from the Sweets from a Stranger era. And the track I picked is Elephant Girl. I've seen her at the club Expanding with the funk She looks so brilliant She sticks close to her friends And when the music ends She is the Indian I'd like to meet the Elephant Girl What was wrong with it? I feel like the whole do 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 tune was overused. Okay. Right. I mean, um, it was another example where they used a different instrument, so that was a lot of harpsichord sound. Yeah, it didn't. I really like the harpsichord sound on that at the beginning. Tweets from a Stranger, the album that this doesn't come from but was recorded alongside, is no, is a poor album. It's it's weak. This would have improved it, I think. Although the album finishes with a track called Elephant Ride. So they could have ended up with an album all about elephant songs. And I think when I read something about it, that was actually possibly in their minds when they started writing stuff. Oh, well, let's move on from that excellent B-side, in my opinion, to what I think so far has been the successful album from this collection, which was Argy Bargy. And another track I know you like, it's our theme from this episode, 
Pulling muscles from a shell. Pulling muscles from a shell. They do it down on canvas and they do it at my feet. Blazing about the beach all day and night, the cricket's creepy. Squinty faces of the sky. A herald drop his paper bag. Surfers drop their balls and dry. I like that one. Yay! So pulling muscles from Michelle. Let's get this right here. Pulling muscles from Michelle. Now, Shell. pulling muscles from Michelle was a single. It only got to something like about number fifty-nine in the charts. It's a total flop. Following on from another nail in my heart, which like I said was top twenty. You liked Misadventure. I think if you were to hear the whole Argy Bargy album, you'd probably really quite like the album. When I first heard. Singles 45s and under, the song that most stood out on that 12 track compilation was that one, was Pulling Muscles. I really loved Pulling Muscles when I was probably about 15 when I think I first heard it, not that much older than you. Really, okay. really liked it. Our final track now from what is their best album and critically their most well received album, East Side Story. And this is Vanity Fair. Vanity's fair and a sense of humor's dry. She comes home late with another screw loose. She swears to have had just a pineapple juice. Falls asleep fully clothed in a bed with a makeup remover by her head. She might not be all there, but her dreams all Vanity Fair. She might not be all there, but her dreams all vanity fair. I don't know if I like that one. You don't know? Why do you mm. don't know if you like it or not? I just don't, not really feeling it, but at the same time, no, it's not a bad song. Perhaps if you listen to that one more, you'd, you'd appreciate the song over time I think it's a grower now when I first East Side Story I don't think I particularly liked Vanity Fair it felt out of kilter with everything else I'd heard from Squeeze it's not poppy bouncy rocky or anything like that it's a piano it's not a ballad either actually but it's a piano driven song it contains again brilliant lyrics there are a few lyrics as good out there as she comes home late with another screw loose and swears to have had just a pineapple juice. We're getting close to the end, but it's not quite time to say goodbye, girl. Oh, I thought you were going to... Again, it's a bit of a...
punky new wave aesthetic to that song because it's quite an early squeeze song. Kind of feels like it's quite boring. I gigged this song. It's one of the easiest squeeze songs to play. So it's simple. I'll give you it's simple, but it's not boring. From roughly the same era, we're going to go for our final deep, deep, deep cut, which is another B-side. I think this was the B-side to Slap and Tickle, which is a song I don't like very much. And it's called All's Well. I thought you were going to say you liked it. No, I couldn't decide whether I liked it or I liked it a lot, but I oh, liked it. I didn't like I'll it. take an I, I liked it. I didn't quite it. like with, it a lot. With what you've dealt out in your withering assessments on this episode. During the intro, I randomly started singing, She Racks in the Tree Dabs at Rock and so Roll. So it's a rock and roll. It's a rock and roll. Yeah, it sounded style. a bit like Elvis Presley style. I think that's far oh. better than the A side that it was Can paired with. Although Slap and Tickle's lyrics are great. I don't like the sound of it. Um, you have to listen to that one day. So, all's well that ends well. We're coming to the last track. Yay! And, my, and, my turn after this. And the only album I think that I haven't picked anything at all from up to this point is an album called Some Fantastic Place. I've picked the title track. And the reason I've chosen this is... Difford and Tilbrook, I think even to this day, still consider Some Fantastic Place to be the best song they ever wrote. So let's hear it. I have the hope that when it's time for me to come away That she'll be there to show me around whenever comes that day Her love was life and happiness and in her steps I trace So relieved, Joel. I would have been so cross if you'd have been dissing some fantastic place. I need to tell you what it's about. Okay. So it's about a woman called Maxine. Okay. Who, the, the, the song is actually about the fact that she died. She died of, I think, cancer. And as both Difford and Tilbrook said, without Maxine, there would have been no friendship between the two of them. There would have been no band of Squeeze. So this is so actually about instrument. the formation of the band. It's not about the formation of the band. It's about the woman that got the two of them together as friends in the very first place. They And I think that's why they cite it as their favourite song of all time that they've written, because it's so intensely personal to both of them that 
without Maxine, they wouldn't have had the careers they've got. And that guitar solo, people don't think of Squeeze as being a guitar solo type band. But that one is amazing. It's really hard to play. And believe me, I know because I've tried. It's so complicated. And I think it may even have been a kind of a one take thing that he just went for it. So Glenn Tilbrook plays the lead guitar in it. And it's just, it's a great way, I think, to end the Squeeze album. So what did you think of that compilation? It's okay. It's kind of in between meh and okay. I think as you get older, it's another one of the ones that I think will grow on you. Okay. I mean, it's, it's not madness level of you didn't want to listen to it again, was it? No. So you, so you'd possibly listen to that one again. If you put it on the guitar, in the car, I would definitely skip mm. some traps, but I wouldn't mind that much. Okay. So we have concluded Squeeze. My turn. Is it going to squeeze my brain? Yeah. And I think you'll learn to more this learn to like this song more the more I talk about Pokemon with you. I will grow to hate it more. What is it, Joel? Uh, this uh, is... Well, well, before we hear the song, the title of this segment is... Joel's Revenge! Okay, let's hear what this revenge might be. So, this is a song by a YouTuber oh, who no. I don't particularly like. Oh, no. <laughs> but I understand why people like him and why he is so successful. He's called Game Theory. I understand why people like heroin, but it doesn't mean I want to try it. He's called Game Theory. Yeah. It's just Sometimes the way he presents his okay, videos annoys me. Okay, Game Theory and what is and the And he track? did, a, a while ago, he did a song called Pokemon Masters Are Broke, which is about how in the real world, if you were a Pokemon trainer earning money, you would have very little. Okay, well let's hear it. What did you think? That was unmitigated <laughs> crap. <laughs> I think it's one of the best ones we've done so far. <laughs> it was so bad. Oh, don't worry. You're going to be getting a lot worse one that I know you despise. And we get to I, I, 19. Better <laughs> oh. be looking forward for it. <laughs> oh, it was just awful. Everything awful ended up in that. There's some good lines, though. So, listeners, please comment about how terrible that that Joel's Revenge was, and how you agree with me and not Beating it. up on the Elite Four, getting 85 cans of soda from the vending Thank machine. You. Okay. It's so... Ooh, uh, it's good song. Let's just park it and move on. It's extremely funny if you know what he's talking about. 
So that was Generation Mix episode 14, Squeeze. Thank you very much for listening. I have a YouTube channel called Pock and Rop. I'd love you to head on over and check out the content over there. Joel, your YouTube channel? My YouTube channel, Foxy to Nuggets Gaming. Remember to tell other people about the podcast so we can grow it. We have got, obviously, episode 15 coming up. And after that, we will be doing a next bonus episode of a whole album. Head to the Facebook page because I'm going to put a poll up about what we should do. There will be two choices. We want you to pick which one we're going to listen to. Until then, listen out for our musical clue at the end here for the next episode. And this is Generation Mix signing off. Bye. Yeah.